This is the third and 30 podcast, a coach's podcast where we believe opportunity is everything. My name is Coach Praveen Manchapagata, and I'm joined alongside Jason, Coach Jason Chaddock. And back in the swing of things, happy to be back here. Brand new line of guests, brand new excitement opportunity ahead of us. And we can get, can't wait to get things going here virtually as we have been since we started this podcast. Very very uh, proud that we've been able to do that. We all, we talk about it a lot, but I think it's really cool that we did that. But nonetheless, I don't want to waste any more time. I want to bring in my incredible co-host, Coach Jason Chaddock. Coach Chaddock, how you doing today? Coach, I'm good. I'm ready to get rolling. And uh, I was just saying to you off air, it seems like we just met up and then just all of a sudden spun out an episode of us. And now, bam, we're back at it again. So just like that, folks. We're back in the rhythm, back doing what we do best. Just like and that. that is Just like that. Learning. I'm, I'm telling you, it's that easy to get started. We talked about relationships last time. And we talked about, um, you know, relationships, workouts, diets, you know, eating habits, whatever it is, right. and, and how easy it is to get off that cycle and to lose your focus on it. And now we can say it's just, it, it's just that simple to get back into it again. So... That's the that's the thing for me today is is have that focus, have a laser focus on it, and make it a priority. And that's what is so important to not only us with a podcast, it's us, and not just you and I. It's us as a society when it, when it's at work, when it's in sports, when it's about our eating habits, our workouts, our relationships. It's about making it that priority and getting that focus dialed into where it should be. And that leads us to where we are today, man. We're ready to learn from another coach. And I'm really excited to be moving forward and have a guest back on and have another coach to educate us on, on not only their life journey, because we want to hear every coach's life journey. You and I, you and I both want to hear that. Our listeners want to hear that because we want to know what someone's gone through to get to where they are and what were the steps they took along that way? What did they learn along the way? And we want to know, you know, how it is, how it is we all build cultures with our sports teams, with our work environments. And that's what has me um, really focused today is getting back into learning from someone else. And that's what I hope our listeners can dial into is be able to learn from someone else. A fantastic guest that's going to join us today. I'm really excited to meet with her and get to learn about her life's journey. And, and really a big piece of it is the culture that she is building in her basketball team. That's something that's really important to me. Uh, I was, uh, lucky enough to have heard um, a segment she did for a power of positive summit, which is uh, sponsored by John Gordon. And I got to hear her there, thought she was great and instantly reached out, said, Hey man, uh, coach Woods, how do we get you onto this? How do we, how do we get you to our podcast? And uh, thankfully she was, she was in on that despite the long delay we had to get to this point today. So, uh, you know, thank, thanks to coach for having the patience and sticking with us and getting on, getting on board and, uh, joining us here today. And, uh, you know, coach P I'm fired up, man. I'm ready to, ready to learn and grow and, uh, join in with our listeners on this. You know, I think that's my favorite part about what we do here on the podcast is I think it is our vast variety of guests that we are able to have on the show. You know, we have had, uh, you know, people from the business world, uh, from the sports world, from many different types of sports, we talked about it in the last episode. We, our title is third and thirty, and we are using a football metaphor. Nonetheless, 
I truly believe that it goes through all parts of the world and you can take that motto and take that mentality into anything you do. And that is why I think it's the best part about this show is because we we are able to bring guests from all different parts of the world, all different types of businesses, all different types of careers and expertises, <laughs> expertises and I, it's uh, here's another one, and it's all back to one goal, and it's about being the best version of yourself that you can be and finding your way to that point. Drive, right? So um, really happy to have our next guest, and we'll go into that interview now, and, I, and I'm really looking forward to it. We, we haven't recorded the interview yet, talking right now, Coach, so um, you know, for listeners to know, we, 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 we'll talk about it after the interview, about our thoughts, but really excited to introduce our next host and we'll we'll waste no more time uh we're gonna have head coach of den university of denver's women's basketball team dosha woods looking forward to it Joining us now on the 3rd and 30 podcast, we are happy to welcome head coach of the University of Denver women's basketball team, Coach Dosha Woods. Coach Woods, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure in your busy schedule, take some time out to talk with us for a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me in. Thank you for saying my name correctly. You're welcome. I, I, I tried to do my research. I mean, my name is Praveen Montrepagada, so I have to make sure I treat other people with the, with the same respect of, you know, if I expect, you know, people to try, at least try and say my name right, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so absolutely. You know, Coach Woods, you want to dive right in? And, you know, like I said, I did my research, but our listeners are probably wondering, you know, more about you and your background. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about your journey in life and and what led you to this role as head basketball coach uh, at the University of Denver. Gosh, that's, I feel like it's such a loaded question when you say like your journey in life, if you said like basketball journey or your professional journey, but life journey, you know, I'm one of those people that I, that I think, you know, the phrase, it takes a village. That's literally how I feel like my life has been, um, you know, I was born and raised in Topeka, Kansas, East Topeka, because I'm very proud I have to separate that. Um, so normally they say, oh, there's not a lot of good that comes from that side of town. Um, so I like to say that I am one of the, one of the success stories. And, and that's why I, I like to specify for that. Um, it really took a village. I, I lived with my mom, single mom. There was two of us, well, three of us. I have a brother and a sister. And then around... I was really bad, to be honest with you, growing up. I was like the bully, elementary school, um, and just for no reason other than I could, probably because I was the shortest. I'm like 5'3 on a good day. Um, and so then about, <laughs> about seventh grade, I remember there's probably like my worst year in terms of behavioral problems. And at the end, they called her mama and they said, hey, we want to put her in this behavior disorder class. She has all these issues, but we can't because her grades are too good. And I was like, I'm smart. You guys just bore me. So the next year, everyone got smart. Um, they told me if I got in trouble, I couldn't play sports. And so it was like night and day. I got a 4.0 and that like flipped the switch. So, um, you know, from that moment on, NCAA used to have a program called NYSP, National Youth Sports Program, which was for inner city kids. And I was a participant for a couple of years in there. I had a chance to be a part of Washburn University, Lady Blues, a Division II back in Topeka. And that really were, where, is where my love of basketball started. 
Um, I was able to be the ball girl for the program, be everywhere, honestly, with the program, pregame, shoot around. It didn't matter. I was there in the locker room. Now that I've coached my entire adult life, I laugh thinking how much they just let me run around. Like I was part of the team. I mean, I'm supposed to film the game. I remember Coach Dick at the time was like, oh, you film the games, you know, games going on at this end, but my camera's at this end. So I was a mess. Um, but it really just, you know, being around them gave me a chance to see um, I never knew you could play basketball in college, um, and they really motiva motivated me to kind of stay out of trouble. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was one that I had to I had to stay out of trouble. I needed to keep myself busy. So in, in high school, I was pretty active. I played four sports. Um, basketball was always my love and went to junior college um, and then went to Western Illinois from there. But I really say it, it took a village, and then after Western, I was a GA for about a month and coach said, do you want the job? And I said, yes. So I've been coaching. I was an assistant for about 19 years before getting here uh, to DU. And I think what I enjoyed now about the 19 years is just the different types of people I had a chance to work for, the different types of players that impacted me, that helped me honestly make that transition to becoming a head coach. You can't ever prepare for everything, um, but it was nice to just have enough experiences to um, be able to, to make the transition a little easier. And I don't know if you're supposed to say this, but I honestly enjoyed getting the position in COVID. Um, I liked that there was the restrictions that I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, last week I was on a road recruiting and to talk to a couple other coaches that got their positions in the first time in a pandemic. And they're trying to figure that part out. I'm like, I could just focus on the team. So, um, it, it took me some time to get here. I know 19 years seemed like a long time. And I think a couple of years before getting the position here, I think I hit a wall in the sense of I was ready to give up on myself. And I started to change how I thought about it. You know, I started to um, figure out what I need to do. All that advice, you know, you give your team, being an assistant, they want to come in and coach, how come I'm not playing or how come I'm not doing this? And you got to do the extra work and you got to do this. And what, one thing I always say is, what are you doing to separate yourself? And I started to think about that for myself. I tried for a few other positions and didn't get them. And I was like, what am I doing to separate myself? So I got my master's at 41 uh, from Tulane. Uh, finished. I spent 10 years there as an assistant. Um, and I didn't realize it was part, it was perks of the job, right? That they, they pay for uh, your tuition. So I, I started to do that to make sure whatever boxes people were going to check, I could check them myself. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was like a long-winded answer to one question, um, but hopefully I, I, I answered enough of it in there. No, that was that was great, and I mean, I I love how you took us through the entire thing. I mean, that's that's really that's sorry. what we're here for. You didn't cut any corners, and that's that's the real coach's way of doing it. So I love it. And you know, now that you you mentioned your experience at Tulane, and you know now, and we're you know for for our listeners here. And we talked about this off air that we're recording this on actually the one year anniversary that you got hired at the University of Denver, which is which is, I think, really cool now. So you've been there for a year, but leading up to that and even at your years at Tulane, when did you kind of realize you wanted to be a, become a head coach? And when you got that position, you know, one year ago, what were those emotions like? And, and you know, what how did that feel? You know. I, I was one that I always knew I wanted to be a head coach. Um, it wasn't one that happened later in my career. Um, I, I just always have been told, I think, since the first grade that I just had this like natural ability to lead. As I say, I don't know if it's ever really natural, but it always came easy for me. And so by the time uh, I graduated my senior year at Western, 
um, coach knew then I wanted to coach. So she created a position for me. And I, and I feel like from that first year, I'd always prepared for this moment. So, uh, but spending 10 years at Tulane really gave me a chance to work for, um, in my mind, a legend coach doctor is going on year 28 at Tulane. And so I really respect how she was able to build her program and really, you know, hit the three pillars in terms of athletic success, academic success. And then the one that people don't like to talk about a lot, which we talk about here at DU, is just the social part. You know, go out. Just, just today I sent our our team, there. there's a concert coming up on September 4th, and it was one of the artists that they like. And it's like a whole kind of the weekend series. And I was like, hey, if you guys want to go. So um, I, I think that part is just as important. So spending 10 years with her really gave me a chance to um, – to, to learn a lot of different aspects about what it means to be a head coach, how you can lead, um, how you can lead where it feels authentic and comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what some of us get caught up and we listen to podcasts, read all these books. And I have to act like coach such and such or coach such and such. And um, to really watch her just coach within herself um, really inspired me. And so it made this transition a little easier. You talk about the emotions, um, you know, to be honest with you, a year ago, I remember um, just the whole weekend they offered the job and you're waiting for that like background check to come back. And I know I didn't do anything <laughs> wrong, but it's like, what are you going to find that I don't know? So I'm so true. Yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, you haven't done anything like at most, maybe a speeding ticket. Right. And so I'm just waiting like, no, no. So finally get the email. And to be honest with you, it was just it was emotional. I, we, we talked about it today as a team. We had practice this morning. And they were asking me, like, how do you feel about it? And I said, I honestly, I cried. I think to spend that long just preparing for something. Again, I was a person who was raised by a single mom. Uh, we were on welfare. We were on Section Aid. Um, I lived with a lot of different families once I made it to high school. So when I say it was a village, it was like this whole kind of community of people um, for me to get to that moment. So I remember being offered the job and then thinking, like, I have so many people to thank, you know, my mom passed in 2013. So it was, you know, it was like all these emotions, but to think about how hard everyone helped me to get to that moment, it was like a thank you to them. And and that's how I live every day. Um, I don't like to take shortcuts or take days off. I take days off, but when it's time to work, I work um, just because I have a lot of people that help me get to this point. Coach, that is awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. It's, it's always one thing to see someone in a position and to see them doing what they do to learn their journey and learn what went into that and learn what their mindset was when they were given the opportunity. Cause we talk here um, when opportunity presents itself, it's too late to prepare. So you, you have to, you have to be as ready as you can be. And you've really illustrated that for us today. I know that's such a benefit to our listeners and, and to know we can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. We can yes, go through literally. anything and, and it's the relationships along the way. Um, I preach relationships at work. I preach relationships in the sports and, and you're doing that same thing, which leads us right into uh, one of the things that's really important to us on the show is culture. Um, and you really focus on culture and you, you speak about it regularly. I've seen it on social media. I had the privilege of hearing you uh, speak uh, at the Power of Positive Summit. That was a virtual event uh, put on by John Gordon. I had the uh, the opportunity to listen to your presentation there, which is obviously uh, what led to us eventually getting connected via social media to get you on the show here. And one of the things that I really want to learn about is uh, from your perspective as a new coach, first time head coach at a new school, and how did you go about establishing 
the culture at DU uh, as far as the basketball team goes? And then can you also elaborate on the meaning of your hashtag, your craft? Absolutely. You know, it, it's funny, uh, again, as, as an assistant, I spent a lot of time attending different conferences, uh, whether it's like virtually or in person and all of these round tables, you want to make this jump from assistant to head coach. And so you begin to build your own portfolio. And so I remember interviewing for this position, I, again, with the pandemic, it just started. So it was all done via Zoom, um, the entire process. The first time I was on campus, I already had the job. Already had the job. <laughs> it was like I accepted a job. And then I was like, well, let me just go see what I'm getting myself into because it was, <laughs> you know, we just did it all virtually. Um, but I remember just doing the whole process and I had my portfolio, I had all my notes and I'm thinking, uh, the one interview I said, I'm going to, you know, build this culture and we're going to give our best effort, our best effort in the classroom on the court. And that, that was kind of my theme through the whole process was best effort and regardless of, of what it was going to be. Right. Well, then, uh, I get the position and I don't know, I'm like looking at the faces. I don't, I don't know any of the team. In women's basketball, you get 15 um, full ride scholarships and all 15 were used. So it wasn't like I had a chance to bring in someone that knew me or I recruited. So here I am inheriting this whole team that I didn't know. So on the Zoom, I'm just looking at them. And so I kind of told them, this is what I thought. But what do you guys think? I said, what do you guys think? Because if you don't buy into it or if it's not something you believe in, it's going to be hard for me to kind of implement and say, I was passionate about it, right? The whole interview process and everybody bought into it, but it was just something about their faces. So we probably spent the next two two to three Zooms just kind of throwing around um, different ideas everyone had to speak. Uh, we just kind of did, you know, popcorn style and and said, uh, what do you guys want people to think of when they see a DU women's basketball player? If they have you in class, if they watch us, if they see you in a community. And so because of that conversation, it was, you know, we narrowed it down to a few words. And, and so your craft is an acronym for the, for the five words that kind of stood out. Um, C is communication, R is respect, A is accountability, F is family, and T is trust. And that's kind of, and then every day we talk about your craft and are you doing those things? Um, and it really applies to on the court as well, right? And communication, as, as I tell them, every day solves lots of problems, personal life and on a basketball court. If you talk about it, then we can figure out what we're going to do next. And what I liked about that, uh, it, and my staff and I, we found and made it easier than throughout the year. These are your words, not ours. I want a best effort anyway. Y'all came up with your craft. So mm -hmm. here we are. And it, and it was just a great way where they felt like they were a part of it. And, and I think establishing a culture was important for me to give them a voice early on. Anybody that will, you know, watch our practices or watch our games. Um, I'm very adamant about giving our players a voice. Again, not everything. They're not running the program, but if it's something that's not that important, or sometimes it's really important to me that, okay, I can take their opinion and move on. I try to do that. Um, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. Um, when I got to Tulane, the, the players didn't have to tuck their shirts in, right? And and so I'm like, wait, you want to tuck your shirts in? And uh, Coach Stockton at the time was like, it's the rough job. I don't give that my energy just because, you know, how many times you stop practice and all of that. And I was like, okay. So when I got here, I, I don't care if you tuck your shirt in. Can you get a stop? Can you rebound? Can you can you run the floor? Is is it going to – and, again, that's the ref's job. So um, even something – something as simple as that. Well, then our strength and conditioning coach comes in and he's like, Hey, you took your shirt. And so they all look at me like, no coach Wood said we don't. It's like new. And I'm like, 
something that wasn't a big deal to me, but it made a huge impact on them, which has evolved to now. Um, honestly, you come to our practices, then you might see the nose rings in, the earrings in. It's your body. If you get fouled, I'm not stopping a drill. I'm not. So you want to leave it in? I'm tired of all the earrings in my pockets. So if you get fouled, I'm not stopping the drill for your nose or your earrings. Yes, coach. And it made a difference for them. So have you had any earrings or nose rings fall out during practice? Like literally just ripped out? We haven't. And you know, there's there's a couple, there's one that was like, she'll wear a necklace. And I'm like, you sure? And I'll say, you sure you want to wear all that? Because if it breaks, I'm not stopping the drill. I'm really not. We're just going to keep it now. Obviously, it's we're bleeding or something. We're going to stop it. But yeah. I'm not. And so and they're like, no, I'm good. I'm like, OK, because, you know, as assistants or just coaches, they're like, oh, coach, I forgot. You got to hold all this stuff. And then you feel like, OK, if you lose it or not lose it, they want to put it on you. So um, I figure it, it, you know, again, if it's going to prevent them from running the floor or getting to stop defensively or listening, um, then, then we'll address it. If not, then okay. They just don't give it energy and something that I didn't give energy, um, that was super important to them. And, you know, we still have had honestly, some of our best practices in the spring and in the summer with a simple, just gesture like that. That's it's very awesome. unorthodox how I lead. Now I think about it. I had one of my teammates, <laughs> come to practice. I had one of my teammates come to practice last week and she was like, is this, I was like, yeah, I said, it's just one of those, I, I, I like to call it a collaboration. Um, if there's a time that I can get their opinion on something, uh, I really believe what I enjoy about coaching this level um, college is just, it's the last step before adulthood, right? It's the last time that they really can um, make some mistakes and, and learn from those mistakes. Because when they leave college, it's like adulting, it's full on adulthood and have fun because there's nobody giving you a COA or making sure that you're going to be here on time, buying your flights, all of these things. So um, I, I like to give them that space to, to learn from their mistakes and, and help them learn through them as well. I'm also going to go out on a limb. And from my perspective, I'm going to highlight to you. I think that also takes a lot of strength on your part, because when you talk culture, that's not a small game to talk about. Culture is a big deal. And I'm, I'm a very firm believer of it's culture plus strategy equals outcomes. And it is absolutely culture first. Absolutely. Doesn't, doesn't matter how good your players are or how good your work environment is in the real world. If your culture sucks, it doesn't matter how good your strategy is. Absolutely. And, you know, we didn't, in terms of wins and losses, I, I, I say this a lot, it didn't show up, our success didn't show up the way that I wanted it to, right? We only won seven games. And I, looking back on the year, I kept a journal all year, a handwritten journal, and I didn't realize, honestly, how much I wrote down, um, but it's helped me so much as I'm preparing for year two. Um, but I, I would say there's probably four to five games we probably could have won had I not been so um, so passionate about the culture that I'm building that, you know, some of our better players, I didn't start or I, or I benched the whole fourth quarter one time. Um, so it just making different decisions like that. I think it kind of sent the message to the team. And I tell them all the time, no one's bigger than the culture, me included. And we all represent something that's bigger than us. And it's a tremendous opportunity. You, you mentioned the John Gordon talk, whether it's just, you know, collecting those pennies, uh, not wasting opportunities and, and playing at this level. I don't care if you're here at DU or if you're at UConn, um, South Carolina, it's an opportunity and it's a, a tremendous responsibility to play at a division one level. And I don't take that lightly and our players know that. And I think that's a great approach. I love how you're, you're attacking the day, 
yet I'm going to give you enough room to make a mistake and uh, courageous and a lot of strength from your part. To, it to took some time. Out. I would say yeah. if, if I would have gotten this job, like maybe four years ago, I, I can't say I would have had this, the confidence that I have now to lead that way. Um, I think you learn so much as an assistant being the middleman between the team and the head coach and trying to balance that out um, that I tell our players, you know, life has so much uh, just adversity and obstacle that I don't want basketball to give you anxiety. So if, if basketball is giving you anxiety, you let me know because this should be fun. Um, mm-hmm. It should be fun and we should be able to play free and, and play fast is, is what I say. Then I think the other part that really has helped and, and we talk, I'm very transparent with the team. I probably tell them too much, honestly, but it's just like, I don't want them guessing like you're love it or hate it. You're going to know where you stand with me. You know, I'm not a huge yeller, but I'm just a very matter of fact type um, coach, but I believe in treating everybody fair, not equal. You know, uh, what, what's fair for, um, you know, Jason may not be fair for me, whether it's, you know, if you're a senior and this is your first time being late and I'm a freshman and this is my fourth time already being late, the, 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 and I don't call them consequences, I'll say the reaction is going to be different you know, the reaction. And then we'll talk about it the next day. You know, here's what happened. Somebody was late or whatever. And, and here's going to be the consequence. So everybody knows. So what if happens the next time and they do a great job of taking care of each other, but mm-hmm. talking very openly about, um, I don't coach you guys all the same. So the reaction to something that is unacceptable is not going to be the same. I like it, man. I, I tell you what, man, we need to frame that one. <laughs> that needs to just, we need to quote it and frame it and put it up. Yeah, it, it makes a difference. And I think, you know, our team is so funny because again, we are super transparent and honest, even today, been the one, one year anniversary and they were like, okay, so tell us how it happened. And, and so one player who is um, still on a team, I said, well, I had two questions on the Zoom. I just get the job. The first one is my thought is flourishing right now. And so to just be able to talk through that moment and see how much we all have grown in a year. Um, but we, we are super transparent in, in how I lead. And, and I'm hoping that it rubs off on them that they can use that to, to walk into the best. And coach, of one of the interesting things is much like you, we have that same philosophy and we're, we want to build student athletes for life, not just a sport. You've really alluded to that some as we've gone through this initial part here. Um, walk us through, you've talked about a little bit about decision-making and about taking steps forward and having, having, you know, some fail, some fail opportunities, uh, mistake opportunities. How are you building your student athletes for life and talk, talk to us about how you stay connected with them after graduation? And this, this, you know, this is probably my favorite question just because, um, the pandemic forced us all to kind of get creative and think outside the box. And I think probably the hardest adjustment, I'm such a relationship person. And so to get this position in a time where you couldn't really have relationships or build relationships, I was just, I I hired a new assistant about a month ago. And so I was telling her, you know, we're fortunate to you that we have three full-size courts. So the first three weeks of being the first time head coach, we had six and six of cohorts. So they couldn't cross over. And so the coaches coach from the middle court, and then we'd like yell an instruction. So you couldn't go tell someone, no, I want your body this way. I want your body that way. So, um, you know, that that definitely just kind of forced us to get creative. 
Um, but also in that, you know, DU is a small athletic department. So there's tough decisions in terms of personnel that had to be made and things like that. Um, so we really started just about the life part as this life uh, 4.0 series. And to be honest with you, it started a lot around the, the social justice. Um, I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to keep the conversation going without it being awkward, um, but wanted to make sure I had we had space to talk about it. Um, we talked about it initially as a team and then just like everything else, kind of ebb and flow of the season. So that's how it kind of started there initially. And then um, I said 4.0, right? The game's four quarters and it's just all of these different areas. And it, it really expanded. It gave us a chance to um, have this big umbrella and to bring different things. So it, it, it's whether it's social justice, um, we've talked about mental health, um, nutrition. Um, we talked about, we'll listen to a podcast and talk about leadership. It's a lot of different ones, but it's usually the summer and spend 10 o'clock. Um, on Thursdays, tomorrow, we'll talk about um, just kind of the team's mission statement. And, you know, we said your craft was kind of last year's team, the foundation of, of, of what we are. And then this year's team, you know, what, what, what you're going to add, what are you going to add? What do you want to be known as? So um, the Life 4.0 series is something that's super important. Um, the players can bring ideas or podcasts or books uh, that they want to be able to discuss. Um, always looking for people to, to kind of join in. We've been able to do some in, in person. Um, and then I think the the part in terms of connecting with them after, I, as you know, love Twitter, um, but loved just the social media because it gives you a chance to stay connected in ways that um, you couldn't 10 years ago. Um, so I, I think if you ask um, most of my foreign players, they'll tell you I'm pretty much a phone call away. Um, and again, using social media to your advantage, if they post something, whether it's um, they're traveling or they got a new job, I'm quick to text them or send, that, send them a message. Um, and, and it's all kinds of things, right? And, and the fun part about that is they really think that you have forgotten about them. You know, they really think that like you've moved on. And uh, ever since I started coaching, I said, you're only gonna play for four or five years, right? But it's when you're done is when the fun starts for me. So when you get married, I want a wedding invite. <laughs> you know, when you have a baby, I want to know what I want to find out on on Twitter when you get a new job. And so it's that's the fun part for me, because if you think about it, if we just base all of our time with them on the four years that they're playing for you and then you just move on to the next class and the next class. So I'm really tr trying to use social media um, Thankfully, in Zoom, been able to set up Zooms. I, I'll tell you, last year, um, education has always been important to me. And again, I talked a little bit about how I grew up. And so my first goal, honestly, was just, I hope I graduate high school. Um, that, that was kind of my, my first goal. I didn't realize there was so much more out there. And then to go junior college, get an associate degree, and then um, probably, and if you still ask me to this day, my happiest day was getting my undergrad. Well, when I realized I can get my master's, I was so excited on it. Like uh, graduation at Tulane is, is just a big, I don't know if you guys are familiar with New Orleans, but it's a big like second line type party. It's a production. So being an assistant there for 10 years, I'm like, I can't wait till I get my degree and I cannot wait for the second line party it was already. And <laughs> we were in a pandemic. It didn't happen. Um, but my, my spouse set up a whole Zoom of just family and friends. And, you know, to be honest, I think I included about 10 to 15 former players that are close to that got on that acted like they graduated, you know, <laughs> awesome. so it's fun to develop that relationship where they're just as excited about your success. Um, and they see the sacrifices that, that you've made, whether it's as an assistant or to help them through something. So um, my players, I, I think they know that it is, 
you know, basketball is important, but it's not everything. But when the ball starts bouncing, I want them to know I'm here for a resource, whatever that may be. Coach, we've spent uh, a good amount of time so far on your approach with the team and with the athletes and the players. And I kind of want to shift gears here and talk about the coaches and your coaching staff a little bit. And both me and Coach Chaddock are high school coaches in our own right, and we've been for a few years, him him longer than myself. But, um, you know, speak about your, your coaching staff, your first coaching staff, I guess, and, and that process and, you know, what, what you look for in a coach and the, the relationship part of things uh, with the coach and, and maybe advice you would give to a young aspiring coach that is, is maybe looking to, to reach the, the collegiate level in coaching. Well, I think everything, you know, well, let me start with this. Um, getting the position in COVID, everybody has restrictions. So initially I didn't have a full staff, right? Um, it was obviously myself as a head coach. And then um, I was able to keep someone who was already here, um, Coach Penny. And then I was super fortunate that when they offered me the job, they offered me the opportunity to hire my spouse. So we joke, we have a wife-wife team here um, at, at DU, which makes it funny because it's like good cop, bad cop, and then we can't decide who's who. Um, really just depends. He coaches offense, I coach defense, so it just, just depends. And I have to hear how good our offense was last year and how terrible our defense was. Um, so that's like daily. But, um, and then hiring the other position, uh, you know, initially this past season, I had a, a coach who was from Colorado, who'd spent some time here at DU and we'd known each other for quite some time. And then you get there and, you know, there, there's hard decisions. And, and I think knowing someone and working with people are two different things. So I don't want to act like everything was just all like roses and, you know, really, oh, I like ice cream, so roses and ice cream. Um, <laughs> it wasn't. And so, you know, sometimes it's just not a fit. So going through that the year um, and learning a lot through that, it, you know, having a coach that it wasn't a good fit for, you know, what, what either one of us kind of wanted. And so it gave me a chance to take my time the second time around. Um, I knew, again, not having a full staff, I was already looking for another coach and then um, was going to re replace that assistant. So needing two people. And the second time around, I think I just took my time. I think we get so caught up in thinking that um, I need a person that can coach this position, right? I need somebody that can coach the guards. I need somebody that can coach the bigs. No, I think ultimately you need somebody that you feel like you can, um, that, that you can work with, that they can learn, that's passionate about on what you're passionate about. Not that they have to be a reflection of you, but passionate about mentoring student athletes, um, growing them as people, growing them as players. Um, and then I think everything else will fall into place. So now if you ask me with my staff, it really was important to find someone. And the other thing is to be, who wants to be where you are? I think leading up as I'm looking at my portfolios, it's, it's important. It was always like, oh, I have my short list of people I want to hire, my short list. No, forget your short list because your short list is not going to matter. Get whatever job it is and then who's going to be right for where you are. You know, it's like I have a short list, but can you afford your short list? Uh, has your short list of people, have they involved from when you first met them and spent time with them? I think being able to ask yourself those hard questions and then I will um, hire somebody that uh, you feel like, you don't have to go out all the time, but at least you can you know, be comfortable going to, uh, you know, grab a bite to eat or grab coffee with outside the office that it's not work, work, work and having that balance. So um, I know this is probably like a vague answer and it's almost cliche in a sense, but hiring people that you feel like 
um, you can vibe with in a lot of different areas because you spend too much time together. And at this level, we're all sacrificing a lot. We're sacrificing time um, with our families, time, uh, just vacation time because you're so limited. So hiring people that you feel like want to learn and grow um, and then knowing enough about yourself of what you need to be able to put them in situations to be successful. Um, You know, when I hired these two positions, my staff responsibilities were blank. And then I kind of asked them, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, do you want to, what's your ultimate goal? If you want to be a head coach, then I want to tailor that responsibility to make sure that you're going to be prepared for that. Um, so I think asking that, uh, but really also making sure that they want to be at the university I'm working at. Um, I think that's important because everybody has their different challenges at each university. And this second time around, it gave me a chance to just be upfront and honest about um, the, the great things. And then the things that might be perceived as a struggle um, to others and, and take my time. You so, know, you know, I've been say a, all that to say good people. No, you're, you're so right. And I, I, I'm, I'm a part of building a business here, you know, we're one year into this business. And, and so it's, we have a short list of people and, and, or a small group of people working. And the way I think about it is as we are looking for people to grow is I, I'll find the people, the character first, and I can teach them the skill. You know, obviously you need some sort of skill. You need some sort of ability to do the said job, but I'm looking for the character and the people first. And that, you know, if, if they want to be where I'm at and if they want to move up, I can teach them that. But it, the first things first, let's find the people, the right people. Absolutely. And I, and I saw this on Twitter once when said, um, normalize leaving a job and it's just not being a good fit and you can still have a relationship and be friends. I think too many times there always has to be a reason, you know, there's like, Oh, this person left because of that. No, like normalize is just, I, I respect you enough and the, the respect is mutual that it's not a good fit, but hey, you still want to go get coffee. <laughs> and I think in, in, in coaching, we get to, well, there has to be a reason. No, it's just, you know, how I want to lead may not be. I literally have a shirt that says I'm not for everyone. And, and, and that's, that's okay. It's funny. I have the shirt, but I haven't I worn need to it. borrow that. Yeah. I was so excited to get it. And then I'm like, cause I really am just naturally a positive person and, and pretty much like in a good mood. But I'm like, if I wear it outside my house, somebody's going to be like, what do you mean? I'm not for everyone. So I hadn't worn it, but I, it's more of a phrase of just, you know, your leadership style or your vision. Again, it may not be for everyone and that's okay, but that doesn't mean like the relationship or life has to end because it didn't work out. It wasn't a fit. Okay. It wasn't a fit. Good luck. And we can, you know, come to our games next year and, and let's still be our coffee. Coach Woods, I'm curious to know what, and I, and I ask this because I'm, I'm putting myself into your shoes for a minute and trying to think what it would be like for me to run a business with my wife or do something like that. And I'm thinking about, cause sometimes I'm, Hey, and my wife listens to this podcast, so I hope I don't get grounded. So don't, don't, uh, don't throw me out to, to the, to the wolves here. Um, at you have a home life together. You have a coaching life together. How do you find the balance with that? Because there are some serious demands on coaching period, not to mention coaching at the collegiate level and then trying to find that balance to be at home. Cause not every day on the court is a good day. It is not. Um, How do you balance it all? You know, we've been together um, a little over 13 years and we've been married almost 10. And so 
ironically, our entire marriage, we've always worked together. So when we're at Tulane, she was ops and I was insistent. So we've had a lot of work. So us getting to this point, I honestly think it's more uncomfortable. I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but more for everyone else, just because we've done it the the whole time. Um, I think now our strategy kind of is sometimes we need to drive separate. Like today we had to drive separate. Because it's like, I got this and I have something else after that. So um, some days you might have to drive separate. Um, and we, we joke about the tree um, outside. I was like, okay, say what you need to say about basketball when we get in the house. Either, you know, now it's a little tricky since obviously having the head coach and responsibility is different. Um, but we'll try to give like, okay, you got the first hour and then, okay, this hour, no basketball. Um, I'm definitely a basketball junkie. I can watch it all day. And, you know, last night watching um, you know, the Bucks and, and, and the Suns. I was like, going to ask you. The whole game? <laughs> and I was like, yes, we're going to watch the whole game. So, um, you know, so for us, it's just almost like second nature. We both met in basketball. We're both passionate about um, mentoring and, and, and coaching at this level. So um, it, it's just, it's part of our personalities. I know it's, it's strange, but it's really um, something that we both uh, grew up loving and just honestly have the opportunity to do it together. Um, which makes it, you know, easier, obviously, when you're, you're trying to, whether gone on a long road trip, or you, obviously, we're going to be gone together, because we're both coaching a team, but it's fun. It's fun. And I think for our players, um, they get a kick out of it, because I'll have to, she's, people think I'm, I am passionate, but she, she is not the patient one. I'm patient. I'm patient. I'm passionate. I, you know, I just made the word patient. I'm passionate and patient. She is passionate and impatient. So um, sometimes when I have to check her in practice, the players will be like, ooh, ooh, what's going to happen? Just, just, but no, we have fun together. It's fun. And it's, uh, you know, when it's time to work, it's time to work. And again, our offense was phenomenal last year and our defense is terrible. So if I have to hear that from her one more time, um, I'll make changes. Yeah. So then I must be more like her in the sense where I'm the impatient one in this relationship. My wife is definitely the patient one, not me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, I developed this patience when the pandemic started and it just surprised. I surprised myself because I thought, honestly, when I'm going to come ahead, coach, I'm going to be like, boom, boom, boom. And then I get it and I'm like, I'm just patient. And, you know, well, I'll talk through something. I'll sleep on it. That that probably became my favorite phrase. Let me if I could sleep on it, I want to sleep on it and think about it. And um, so, yeah, I don't I'm pretty much even killed here. This way, I don't really get too high or too low. It takes a lot to to get me upset. We're sustained. I don't hold grudges. I will get, you know, it's like, okay, so what do I need to say? And then again, let's go get coffee. Yeah. I love it. That's that's the way to be. Let's so so let's let let's uh, let's uh dive in deeper now. Let, let's hit to the uh, greatest adversity that you have faced and how did you overcome it? Uh, this one, this one was, so first I'm thinking, okay, do I say in basketball? Do I say in life? Um, you know, I feel like if I were to ever write a book, adversity would have to be somewhere in the title. Cause that's just how my whole life has been. Um, and I don't know, honestly, to, to pick one, but I would tell you to, to grow up. Um, part of the reason why I can be so positive now is to grow up in an environment that I did, um, basically around a lot of um, drugs, um, things like that. We didn't necessarily have a lot growing up. Um, so I, I think the adversity then was just figuring out how I was going to survive in terms of the environment that I was born into. 
Um, I think now that I'm an adult, my mom did the best that she knew how, uh, but to think about, okay, if I, I lived with this family for three years um, in high school, then I lived with a different family my senior year in high school, then I, you know, to try to figure out those aspects as a kid or as a teenager. So I think the adversity, if you maybe pick one, probably just being raised um, by a mom who uh, didn't have the resources necessary to raise three kids um, and to be able to still make it here um, in spite of that, right? In spite of um, growing up on welfare, Section 8, sometimes being either foodless, um, which I have this really like crazy thing about food. I'm like, I am not going to bed hungry because I did it too many times. Um, so I think adversity uh, for me then was just just trying to figure out how I could survive and graduate high school and what that meant for my life after that. Um, it is one that, again, I'm not, it, it's not like embarrassing to talk about, but I tell you a quick story. We were often the family that got adopted at Christmas, right? Either by the Salvation Army or something else locally. Often that's where our food and clothes came from. So it was really cool to get this position here and to be on the other end of that. So last year, the team adopted two families at Christmas, and then um, we we donated to the rescue mission here in Denver for Thanksgiving. And that's something that will definitely be a staple for me and this program as long as I'm here at DU is I knew how much those holidays meant to me, whether it was just um, funny Barbie dolls that I couldn't stand, but I always appreciated having something to open. Um, so I think just growing up, my life story is uh, not unique, but it's definitely a testimony. And I know everyone has their hardships and that's just like a snippet of it. Um, but without, without those hardships, I'm not sitting here today. So I'm grateful um, that God trusted me enough with the responsibility enough to be resilient enough to get where he needed me to get to. Uh, that's incredible. I'm, that was, uh, I was, I was getting goosebumps listening to that. I mean, that's, that's so cool. How it comes full circle. You know, now you're with a program that helps out, um, the same same thing that you were a part of when you were a kid, and that's just incredible. And, and now, I mean, being a head coach um, with 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 the way you grew up, I mean, that's just incredible. You must be proud. Your family must be proud. It's pretty pretty cool to to be in that position now. And obviously, and I'm a firm believer. I used to think when I was a kid and naive and dumb that you know I could do everything by myself. But we all have people in our lives to get us to where we need to go, and and none of us could do it uh, alone. Um, and that's definitely what I tell my kids. Is, you know, I, I know everything. Don't worry about it, coach. And I'm like, I know you, you know, just trust yeah, me. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, right. And uh, I want I want to ask you as you know, kind of our final question here is, is and it's probably more than one, but um, it's your kind of moment to shout out a little bit is uh, who, who has been the most impactful mentor or leader in your life to this point? Oh, geez. Yeah, you're definitely right. It's, it's more than one. <laughs> and you know, I, I honestly would probably start and I'm just going to name one because it's just going to be easier. Because if I feel like if I start naming more than one, then people will be like, well, you left this person out. So, <laughs> uh, so I would just say the caveat, right? It took a village. So again, the quick shout out to Topeka, Kansas, specifically the east side um, and USD 501 because that was the school district I would go to school in. Um, but I would say my eighth grade basketball coach, she was probably the first one. Uh, Coach Johansson, Coach Jay, as I call her, uh, she was phenomenal. She was the first one that told me that I had talent in basketball. I didn't start playing in seventh grade. and But she coached the eighth grade team, but she's looking down, looking at me. And then um, I didn't know that there was different leagues to play in. Uh, she paid for me to play in whatever league. 
And then once I got in high school, uh, she actually gave me my first kind of after school job. She also worked at a sports store when she wasn't teaching. And she told me, as long as I stayed in high school and you keep your grades up, I'll buy your athletic shoes. Um, and I said, OK, I didn't know that there was like a volleyball shoe, a basketball shoe, all these different type of shoes you had for sports. And so um, this is a person I played volleyball, basketball, softball and ran track. And she's like, keep your grades up. And so I'd bring her my report card. It'd have to be above a 3-0. And then she said, OK, go pick out what you want. And, you know, that that gesture just initially of just telling telling me how much she believed in me and then to support me all the way through uh, up until even I got this job. You know, she's like, I'm not super technology savvy, but basically mailed me a check to make sure I can donate it to the program in her name. And so she was one that was there from the beginning and continues to be there for me to this day, you know, 25 plus years later. Um, but I think she was the one to really get me um focus in the sense of you have potential and I'm not going to let you waste it. And here's a couple of parameters. And uh, she, she was a godsend then. And then obviously once I got into high school, colleges, a, a lot of other hosts of coaches and people I can name, uh, but she was probably the first one that really believed in me um, as a person, as a person who was talented in other things, um, not just a basketball player. Well, I hope we can get Coach Jay to listen to this because I'm sure that'd mean a lot. <laughs> yeah, I might have to send it to her. I might have to send it to her to get on the call and check on what they're. Absolutely, no, that's 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 amazing, uh, Co Coach Woods. We really, really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I mean, that was just an incredible conversation. I think I could speak on behalf of both both Coach Chaddock and I. A true blessing and honor to have you on, and your message, uh, your your values. They really uh, they really speak uh, speak loudly and. I think the culture, the hashtag your craft, I think that's awesome. We actually have a acronym. It's, it's hashtag drive and it's determination, rigor, um, uh, inspiration, victory, and excellence. And all those kind of drive you to become the best version of yourself you can be. So that's kind of something we created. So love sharing about that, but thank you again so much. We hope to hope to have you on again sometime and, and good luck in your upcoming season. Uh, we'll definitely be rooting you on and, and following you. Absolutely. I really, I enjoyed myself. Hope you guys had a good time. Um, definitely hope to be back. So you guys just either shoot me an email. I would say though, real quick, I didn't talk about, you talked about hashtag your craft. So the other one that I will sign a lot of my teeth, my tweets with is a hashtag MGC. It's make, make good choices, which is our only, our only team role is that make good choices. Cause I feel like it encompasses all of these things, right? I'm not in the um, I'm not in a profession to police everything about them. So make good choices. And it, again, we talked earlier about treating somebody fair and equal. So those are the two hashtags I, that I use. And then we'll see what the team comes up with uh, for the 21-22 team and what they want to be known as. That's awesome. That's real cool. Well, thank you again, like Coach. That. And uh, yeah, again, good luck. And and uh, yeah, keep keep uh, inspiring those uh, those players of yours. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Coach. Once again, a big shout out to Coach Dosha Woods of University of Denver women's basketball team. So what a great conversation to get us back on on track here at the Third and Thirty podcast, and it was just a, a, a true honor, as I said, you know, on the interview to have her on. And man, I think there's so many things that stood out the most, and and I think you said it the best, Coach Chaddock. What is our authenticity? She's she seems so authentic during that interview. 
and I, I I loved being able to see her her passion come out. She seems so natural speaking about her her role and her position and her background. She seems very proud, and and that's the way it should be. And I I'm very excited to see what University of Denver's basketball team has has. Uh, in store for us down the road but um, so many things stood out to me but I think her her authentic ability to to be herself and really just show that this is she this is what she it almost seems like she was born to do it it was to be a leader and to coach coach uh coach basketball and uh you know hearing about her background and 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 her tough uh tough childhood growing up and 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 now where she's at amazing story to hear amazing story to learn observe and and i i just really amazing i mean i can't say enough uh coach chaddock to you now what what uh speak about what your thoughts on the on the interview with coach uh coach woods you know the first thing i want to point out is i thought both on air and off air what a great person, <laughs> yeah. first of all. Great person, cares about other people. Um, well, well spoken and futuristic thinking. And that's a big deal to be futuristic thinking because she's not just thinking about how does this affect you in the moment right now. She's mm-hmm. thinking about how does this affect you for your future and how do we help make you uh, a better person as you enter adulthood or how do we help give you a better life um, as you continue to learn through sports and grow Mm -hmm. through sports. And I loved how she highlighted how sports was her influence growing up and, you know, growing up tough, uh, you know, and talking about um, living with multiple families, talking about having her mentor who was able to help her get basketball shoes or track shoes and things like that. And I thought to me, that was such a big deal because one of the things I've talked to some of the high school kids about before, and I've done presentations on before is uh, don't let your circumstances dictate your outcome. And clearly we see she didn't, she's talked about growing up in, in, in rough housing, drug neighborhood and things like that. She talked about the adversity she faced and, and how, this all helped make her stronger as she went. And I love the story because um, it just shows you, you can make it anywhere. And she really highlighted that and highlighted how uh, she went through her journey as an assistant coach. I, I really uh, took a lot from her saying four years ago, her reaction and the strength of helping a group of people talk and work through developing the culture, how four years ago, she might not have had that approach and how she's grown into this head coaching role now, uh, being a first time head coach. And now she has that strength, has that courage and is able to work with the team through building a culture. Because as she alluded to, if you want to build a culture and have everybody in, they have to be vested. They have to be uh, jumping in Uh, participating in the process and really designing what it's going to be. So I really, really liked that approach because we can use that in the, in any walk of life. I mean, we can go to a sports arena and use that. We can go to a, to a corporate America and use that. We can go to um, the grocery store and be the manager of a grocery store and use that with your employees there. It, It works everywhere. And I really appreciate her sharing that insight and those lessons and I thought it was extremely insightful. Um, it was uh, really good <clears throat> to have the perspective of accepting a job and moving 
and going through this newness process during a pandemic and how it actually, you know, she's turning it into a positive. Look, she got a new job, uh, head coaching at that school uh, and being able to come in and because recruiting had changed due to a pandemic, she was able to focus on, on culture and working with the team there. And I thought that was really neat to see how she flipped a pandemic that was turning the world upside down, flipped it to being a positive. And she, she alluded many times to she has a positive approach to things. And while she didn't speak specifically to taking a positive approach in that part, I look at it and say, wow, she handled that perfect. She looked at what she could do instead of what she couldn't do. And that's the way we all need to be able to approach things and be able to uh, develop a team develop a culture to then drive it to a strategy. Uh, it was such an honor to have her on sharing her story, uh, sharing what she has uh, gone through to get to where she is. And then, and then what coaching means to her and how she has the opportunity to develop people and to make a difference, to impact people's lives. Um, so kudos to coach Woods. Uh, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for the lessons that you have taught us and showing us uh, your roadmap to where you are today and the things that we get to learn and how we can fight through adversity too. And, uh, you know, don't let your circumstances dictate the outcome. You have control. You have the ability to drive through. And, uh, I love it. I thought it was great. And I look forward to watching what she builds there at DU. That's going to be a special program. Uh, they keep buying into this culture. They keep developing it. That's going to be a real special program. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what coach Woods builds as she continues this journey. Looking forward to it as well. And, you know, like I said earlier, what a show to kind of bring things back into, you know, the way we want to be and, and kind of get back to this consistency of getting back on the show, bringing you, bringing you new guests. I hope it's as good for the listeners as it is for me and, and Coach Chaddock to meet these coaches, to meet these leaders, to meet these um, life changers. You know, it's, it's really amazing to, to do it. So, um, looking forward to the next one. Again, a big shout out to Coach Dosha Woods of the University of Denver women's basketball team head coach. Um, pretty cool to have her on. Looking forward to what's next. For Coach Jason Chaddock, I am Coach Praveen Manchapagada, and this is the 3rd and 30 Podcast.